Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as mm-hmm. soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online, and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough, and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then, and you're re- Enacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh, yes, that is definitely the truth. And I got a wacky studio there. It wasn't showing me playing the long intro. So I didn't know if I started it, which would really be stopping it, if that would work. The good news is it worked. And I bet it's a little tired. I just noticed that I have had over 1,989,000 listens since we started this show. Is that not amazing? I'm like, 1,989,000. So I am always honored and really blessed when I get to kind of hang with you and and educate you and inform you and share my own stories, my clients' stories, um, my consultee stories. I mean, it truly is a blessing. And, and so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Lots has happened since 2007 when I started this show. As you know, I'm the oldest podcast on sex addiction and partner betrayal. Is that cool or what? Secondly, since that time, I have written um, Sexual Wisdom from the Masters, where I compiled so many of these shows, and I have that available. If you're interested, send me, um, if you would, an email to carol at carolacoast.com and I will tell you how you can get that. It's, it's got some amazing folks. And then, of course, I wrote Help Her Heal, an empathy workbook to help sex addicts to help their partners heal. 
And then I couldn't do that without doing Unleashing Your Power, right? I mean, I had to write to a traumatized partner. And so I wrote that book. And then, of course, as of this month, Help Them Heal came out, teaching you both how to heal your relationship after sexual betrayal. So jazzed about that book because that's for people that just want to buy the book and work with each other, right? I mean, in actuality, I ascribe to and encourage you to get an IRCAM counselor, a specialist. That might be a counselor or a coach. I want you to, to work with people that have been trained in this approach. But that being said, um, what I know to be true is that you can do this work just the two of you. It wouldn't hurt for you to get some support, even if that's once a month, from somebody who can guide you in the right direction to heal. And I've got a new Help Help Them Heal uh, YouTube channel. Just go to Help Them Heal. It's all about IRCAM, the Early Recovery Couples Empathy Model, my approach. I'm not taking clients. I am so jazzed about the fact that I'm teaching it to people and they're learning the work and they're paying it forward. And so trust me here, this is not about me. It's about you. And I guess I just continue to watch this work blossom. Like many of you may know that um, I created this program. I wrote the book and then I have uh, worked with Dr. Jake Porter to co-facilitate, you know, he and I complement each other so well. Uh, We think alike. Our sense of humor is alike. We drink alike. No, just kidding. Um, And I love his wife and his his daughter, and he loves Boo, and he likes Eric, too. So we just have a good time doing this work and getting it out there with empathy. And what I noticed is when I didn't do this work, my clients came in so traumatized and I couldn't calm them down. I couldn't get them to emotion, emotionally regulate. But this work really, really helps. And you want to feel safe and stable as you're dealing with discovery and dealing with the disclosure and an emotional impact letter. You want to be able to really set the ground rules for what works. And I promise you this work does. So that's just my feel. I want you to know about it. And one more thing I want you to know about, because it's going to be so important, is that we are doing an Unleashing Your Power workshop for for women, for partners, to help them get to see all three stages of partner betrayal and really help them to identify post-traumatic growth. Yes, we can do this in five days. I remember when Patrick Carnes said to me, you can do the 12 steps in an afternoon, Carol. And I said, but not very well, Patrick. And he said, well, the truth is we advise people to go through it in a day and then go back and do it again, right? And so Heidi Kinsella and I have put together this workshop to help partners to heal. And 
we want you to come. She keeps, she, she's doing a workshop right this weekend, and she's sending me the most incredible pictures. She lives in this glorious retreat center. I mean, it's her home. She has a gazebo. She has a horse farm. She's doing equine therapy, um, sound bathing. I mean, we are going to do it all. We are going to nurture you. And it's super affordable considering how much an intensive would cost. So if you're interested, you can email me at carol at carolthecoach.com. Or you can go to Heidi Kinsella's website. Uh, that's K-I-N-I-S-E-L-L-A. And sign up or give her a call. Um, and I'm looking up the dates. I want to say it's April, um, August 4th. You would think I would have this, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's August 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, and we end at noon on the 8th. It's in Washington. I'm flying out there to be with you, and I'd like for you to fly out to be with me, too. I am co-facilitating it. It is the only workshop uh, that I'll probably be co-facilitating. I want her to, to get the gist of my work. It sounds like she's already got it. She's doing amazing work. And um, I just think it's a special treat when you can work with some with an author, to be honest. Right before COVID, I was going out to Italy to do uh, not only a book signing, but I was going to do a five-day workshop on Help Her Heal with partners. And I was so jazzed. I had a commercial. It was going to be amazing. And then, unfortunately, COVID hit, and I didn't get to go, and I've never been to Europe. If you're over in Europe and you want me to come teach one of these books, please let me know. You know, I am shamelessly begging for help. Uh, You know, I wish that we could do help her heal and help them heal and translate it for um, gay couples. But I need them to help support me financially in getting that done. You know, I just can't do it all, but I want these books to do it all. I just finalized a contract where we're going to be doing Unleashing Your Power in Spanish. How exciting is that? I mean, that's what we got to do. we got to reach the masses. So if you're reading these books and you're saying, I wish there was one for gay men or I wish there was one for um, I'm trying to for Italians. Just help me figure it out. I'm at your disposal. I'm leaning into retirement. That means I can work on different projects. And again, I am so excited that that is what retirement has afforded me. I'm I'm really not taking clients. I'm consulting right now, but. Truly, what I am doing, I am doing my best to make a difference in the world. And I do that, I kid you not, by coming up with special things that afford more people the opportunity to find the work and to get the help they need. Now, that's what's so exciting about today's show. I actually... I'm working with a woman. I mean, she she's amazing. She has figured out how to help people with addiction and partner betrayal. Her name is Rebecca Stokes. And 
she she had reached out to me and said, you know, I'd like to talk about when do you know that addiction is really influenced, if you will, by trauma, and what do you do about that, and how do you use somatic experiencing, EMDR, and, and internal family systems to speed up the process of healing? And so I said, you are on. I would love to talk about that. And so I'm going to invite you all to hear the wise words of Rebecca Stokes as she joins our show today. Rebecca, Rebecca welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Oh, hi, Carol. Thanks so much. What a beautiful introduction. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, well, you have so much to offer, and you, you've gotten so much training, and when we get to talk to experts like you, I know that we're going to get the real deal, and so I, I'm super excited because you know so many of our partners, so many of our addicts have gone through trauma and almost seem stuck in it. So, you know, I guess I would ask you right off the bat, how would you define trauma? Oh, yeah. Well, it's really funny because the way I always talk to my patients about trauma, it's like someone dumped a trash can of garbage on your front yard in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. and oh my gosh, that's not cool. But guess what? Who's going to clean it up? (laughs) And it's your lawn, and unfortunately, it's your responsibility to clean up the trauma. And I think what's so hard is that oftentimes trauma was afflicted inflicted upon us or it was experienced and it wasn't your fault or you had no control over a traumatic situation. And so it actually is really difficult to look at our own trauma and say, okay, what is trauma and do I have it? And one, one way that I talk about trauma is that it's a response to a horrible event that leads to an emotional and nervous system reaction that can have long-term symptoms like erratic emotions or flashbacks or relationship stress and even physical symptoms like nausea or headaches. And a lot of people end up feeling really stuck and have difficulty moving forward in their lives after experiencing trauma. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And let's face it, you are the guru knowing about trauma. You know, you're a licensed clinical mental health therapist, and you've been clinically trained at the Meadows uh, Behavioral Clinic. And, gosh, you've studied under some of the best, Claudia Black, Pia Melody, Patrick Carnes, Bessel Vanderkoek, and, of course, the great Peter Levine. So you really have studied under the masters, and, and now you're making it your mission to get as much training as you can, you know, whether it's EMDR or you're a certified practitioner. And obviously, all those treatment modalities are, are great for anybody, but they really do help people that are in traumatized states. So how would yeah. somebody know if somehow they've just had some serious bad experiences or you know, they've had traumatic ones. Yes, that's a great question. So I like to say that trauma can come from a bad experience, but not all bad experiences lead to trauma. 
And it's really about how each of us is impacted as individuals. We all have different levels of resiliency in our brain. We're all wired differently. Some of this comes from genetics. Some of this comes from learned coping tools. And also things like protective factors. If we had two stable parents or we had a stable grandparent and we learn to regulate our nervous systems from our parents and then oftentimes you know, we can also look at, okay, if I've had a traumatic event, we classify it into acute, chronic, or complex. And so an acute trauma results from a single incident. A chronic trauma is a repeated and prolonged trauma experience. And then complex trauma is exposure to varied or multiple traumatic events, usually interpersonal in nature. And being a somatic-based therapist, what I look at is any experience that activates our autonomic nervous system, meaning that we come out of our window of tolerance and we're either in a fight-fight state above that window of tolerance or we're moving into a freeze state. And these are just survival states. They're, they're normal in our bodies. But if we have to go out of our window of tolerance, that usually means that something is going on and that we might be experiencing trauma. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And so understandably, you know, you believe that trauma is or can be related to sex addiction. And, and tell mm-hmm. our listening audience why you believe that. Yeah. Um, well, so Unfortunately, as children, we often learn unhealthy coping, and sometimes Mm -hmm. we need to unlearn this. Yeah. And if these unhealthy coping methods aren't dealt with, oftentimes we find ourselves in places like struggling with SA or alcohol addiction or depression and anxiety. And what, what we found in the latest research is that a lot of SA is starting with early exposure to childhood trauma. So this could be sexual abuse, leaky sexual behavior, even secret keeping or abuse in the Mm -hmm. family system. Yeah, or or just exposure to inappropriate sexual content at too young of an age. And And then also, like we talked about, some of these traumas that could happen outside the family system as well. Yeah, and, and when you say family system, I mean, you are certified in ISS, internal family systems. Uh, for, for somebody who may not understand how family systems can color your perception of who you are, can you kind of share the breakdown of roles that ISS has and yeah. how somebody, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So a lot of times in family systems, children, parents, anybody involved, they will take on a role as in, oh, I'm going to be the mediator. I'm going to be the therapist in the family and make sure everyone's okay. Or I'm going to be the golden child and I'm going to be perfect and get everything right. Or sometimes we can become the addict oh, I'm the problem child, I'm the problem in the family. And then oftentimes the family is working 
like a machine or like a system and you have this role, right? You're the cog in the system and you better keep your little cog going or the family doesn't know what to do. And so when we're going through something like recovery, oftentimes it is really hard to work within our family system because our family's used to us having a role and now we're not in that role anymore. Yeah, and so four of the major roles are, what would you say they are? You know, we hear so much about the rescuer or the scapegoat. And, right. And those are all out of, you know, out of Alcoholics Anonymous and that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's, there's a list of roles. And, and, you know, some kids will switch roles from a younger age to, you know, in their teenager, like let's say they're good and perfect when they're eight and then something traumatic happens, like let's say there's a death in the family and maybe that kid becomes the rebel when they're 13. And so these these roles are oftentimes a way that the family identifies, oh, this is your role, you're the scapegoat or you're the perfect golden child. And, you know, I'd say the most popular that end up showing up are a mediator role. A lot of times I see that scapegoat role. Uh, Sometimes we have the problem child or addict role, a golden child. And then there also is the uh, forgotten child, that that lost child. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so – you don't believe in treating the client from just one perspective. I mean, you're able to provide trauma relief through a variety of resources. Now, how does your gut access if somebody, if you believe somebody would benefit from trauma treatment? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I look at is, Addiction is often a response to trauma and stress, and it's a way we escape difficult feelings, situations, behavior. Sometimes I describe addiction as a coping tool gone awry, meaning we're overusing the tool to the point where it's unhealthy and it's causing distress and impairment in our lives. And so I I like to define addiction, you know, just looking at it that way, where we see that impaired control, physical dependence, social problems, risky use. And then I also look at, okay, let's, let's see if there's some trauma in here. And, you know, really just asking, have you, been, have you experienced trauma? Maybe one traumatic experience or a series of bad experiences. And then from a clinical standpoint, we look at intrusive symptoms, which could be a, a return of a depressing memory, uh, maybe disassociative reactions like flashbacks any kind of psychological distress that shows up. We also look at avoidance of stimuli associated with a traumatic event. So this could be avoiding thoughts or feelings, and that could be, you know, an acting out pattern with SA, or avoidance of external reminders like people and places. And then we do get into this idea of negative cognitions and moods. So really looking at you know, if you're feeling a negative belief about self, like I'm a bad person or I can't trust anyone, and then negative emotional states related to this. And then the last thing that we use to classify post-traumatic stress disorder or 
the reaction to a traumatic event is arousal and activity associated with that traumatic event. And this could be irritable behavior, anger outbursts, maybe even reckless behavior or self-destructive behavior. And then some people do experience focus and concentration problems or sleep issues related to this traumatic event. And so I, I really talk to my patients about, hey, are you experiencing any of these symptoms related to a past trauma? And really try to talk to them about what's going on. Well, I get that. And, you know, you talk about bottom-up approaches versus top-down. And, mm-hmm. and so explain that concept of, of why you believe that the bottom-up approaches actually work better for treating trauma. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, CBT is a tried-and-true modality. It's awesome. It has great efficacy. I use CBT in my practice. However, a lot of the research is showing that these bottom-up approaches, which means that it's a body-based approach where we're working within the nervous system and the body to heal trauma, these approaches are having really good long-term reduction of trauma symptoms that are lasting for years. And this is some newer uh, follow-up treatment research that's been done when using EMDR, SE, and some of these somatic modalities that are working within the nervous system and treating trauma in what I would call a more integrated whole system method. Well, I get that. And, and, you know, obviously these bottom-up techniques have been researched by, again, so many of the great theorists that did research to prove that they indeed do work. And, And so somatic experiencing I'd like for you to tell our listening audience, give us some examples of what that looks like. Yeah. Well, and and before I go into this, let me paint a picture here. So when we're working in the nervous system, a lot of times what I tell my patients is, okay, let's think of the Serengeti, right? Beautiful day on the Serengeti. There's a herd of gazelles. They're eating some grass. They're drinking some water. They're doing gazelle things, right? Life is good. Mm -hmm. And then a lion appears on the horizon. Now, the gazelles don't sit down and talk about what to do. They run, right? (laughs) They're going to run. That's how Mm -hmm. the gazelles are going to survive the lion. And their nervous systems as mammals, it activates. Within milliseconds, they go into a flight response. So they move out of that window of tolerance, that rest and digest place, and they run. That flight response is what keeps the species going. And if we apply this to humans, we also have a window of tolerance. We also have a mammalian nervous system. And so when something feels threatening to us, we end up going into fight or flight, or we drop into a freeze state. And we oftentimes, we can't always decide like, oh, I'm just going to freeze. Like our bodies do it naturally for us. And so I like to to explain that to people, like how the nervous system works before I get into SE. And what happens a lot is as humans, unfortunately, the gazelles will likely settle after the lion incident and go back to rest and digest. 
But as humans, we don't always settle as well. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we tend to get a little more looped up in things, and particularly if we've had a lot of bad experiences in our life. So, yeah. SE, yeah, does that make sense? Oh, 100%. As a matter of fact, I was going to tell our listening audience, if you want yeah. to um, understand what she's referencing, because you're doing a great job, but it just put in Google, YouTube on gazelle in freeze stance, because that is a common yeah. response when they think, oh, boy, you know, I'm running, 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 and I am really in danger. If they immediately act as if they're dead, the tiger wants nothing to do with them. There's no predatory behavior. And it's just fascinating to watch them go into this instinctual mode that animals do. But what I hear you saying, Rebecca, is that unfortunately our clients don't do so well. After the freeze, they don't settle into and get comfortable with the state they're in, right? Right. Well, and what's really hard is our nervous system is old biology. We like to think we're real sophisticated as humans, but it's old survival biology. And so if if we get activated, it, I mean, it could be a stressful situation at work, but our nervous system doesn't know that. It's just, just like, oh, gosh, is there a tiger? We're threatened. It doesn't know if it's a stressful situation at work or a real tiger jumping out of a bush at you. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I just wanted to. Oh, go ahead, Carol. Well, you so you were going to explain somatic experiencing, and you mm-hmm. said first I want to give you kind of a little history lesson, and and so how does that apply to people that um, would benefit from somatic experiencing? Yeah. So. Somatic experiencing, which sometimes you'll see written as SE, and this is a a body-focused therapy that's designed to reduce stress in the nervous system. So it helps the body regain balance in the body and brain Mm -hmm. systems together, and the idea is to diminish distressing emotions, feelings, and negative thoughts surrounding past traumatic experiences. And as an SE therapist, I work in different channels in the body where trauma can be stored. So it's not just that top-up approach of talking. The idea is that we're going in to find out, okay, is this trauma stored in sensations, images, behaviors, felt sense affect in the body? Is there meaning coming with this traumatic experience? And specifically, You know, I work with individuals and help them move through the negative event and, in a way, reprogram the mind and body to experience and tolerate the event differently. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, when I work with partners and they're in the midst of a disclosure and they've just heard some really difficult information, we will get up and walk. And when they're walking, I'm saying... Take it off, shake your hands, you know, do what you need to do to release that energy so that we're going to be ready to hear the rest of the stuff. And literally, they do. They somatically release that energy so that they feel like they're ready for some more. 
Um, and yeah. there are so many different ways that we can resource our clients. I know another way to really resource them is I learned this from Taruno Steffens, you know, the somatic mm-hmm. experience uh, mm-hmm. man at a doctor at Pine Grove. No, it was Gentle Path. Did you know Taruno? Yeah. I don't think he so. Was, he was a master at getting you to either remember somebody that could really sit in your pocket or on your shoulder and be that encourager so that you didn't feel so alone, or if you didn't have somebody like that, and sometimes our clients don't, he would have people create their ideal support person. And that in itself was so valuable for people who really wanted to change their perspective and not feel so all alone. So right. I love that you're doing this work, and you're known as an SEP, a Somatic Experiencing Certified Practitioner. Now, most people know what EMDR is in today's world, but can you share a little bit about how you found EMDR to be helpful with trauma? Yeah, absolutely. So EMDR has has a really great research history that's coming along with it, and I, I think this is really awesome for our field. So EMDR works on releasing trauma that's stored in the brain and body, like SE. However, the treatment therapy employs cycles of bilateral stimulation to the left and right mm-hmm. hemispheres of the brain. Yeah, and, and this could look like bilateral eye movements with a light bar, audio tones, or hand buzzers. And I like to explain to my patients that it's basically creating a simulated REM state where we can go in and reprocess a negative event. And you're completely conscious. It's not like hypnosis. You're not checking out. But the idea is that you can reset the negative thoughts and feelings around this traumatic event. The memory doesn't go away, but the emotional charge is processed and you feel differently. You work through that pain, that fear, that sadness, and oftentimes people come out with a much more positive mindset and feel differently about old negative beliefs and feel more positive about themselves. And so... You know, Francine Shapiro, obviously the um, founder of EMDR, found this out as she was processing a problem and just went back and forth with her eyes, moving it from left to right, left to right, left to right, and then just instinctually felt better about the process and said, oh, my gosh, I think if we use bilateral stimulation, we can really help Anybody, but she specifically works with combat veterans because they saw the most traumatic events. And she was a master at being able to research this so that EMDR became the most researched treatment technique in the world. And so, again, you're doing EMDR, you're doing SCP, and it's like you just are – are tra- you're a trauma scholar, aren't you? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's a great term. I should start using that. Um, well, I guess everyone is different. And so 
I really enjoy having EMDR and somatic experiencing as two different trauma processing tools because everybody is at different stages in their recovery and where they're, they're feeling, let's call it, ready for trauma treatment. SE can be a lighter approach and a softer way to get into our bodies to really learn about what's happening in our bodies. And frequently I start patients with SE and then move into EMDR because EMDR, we, we need a little bit of emotional regulation. We need some skills oftentimes when going into EMDR. And it's not to say that you can't start with EMDR. Some people can, but it really does help if we're aware of our bodies when we go into EMDR. Yeah, I hear that totally. Let me remind my listening audience that we're talking with Rebecca Stokes. And if you're interested in working with her, obviously she's a clinician, so you would have to be available in the state that she works. And is that Arizona? Where you, where you I'm actually now? in Montana now. Yeah, I'm in Montana now. I, I moved up from Arizona, quite the switch. Yeah. Okay, well, she can be reached at www.rebecca, and that is spelled R-E-B-E-C-C-A, S-T-O-K-E-S, Stokes, dot com. And and that's your author website. So can you share with us a little bit about the projects that you've been working on? Yeah, I just recently have been working on coming back into more journalistic pursuits. I was a journalist before I moved into the therapy world and got my graduate degree and have been coming back to doing more writing, uh, starting to do some more work around sharing what we know in this field with everybody. Sometimes I think mm-hmm. there there aren't enough of us out there, like you, Carol, who we're working on conveying information, letting people know, hey, we know some stuff. We know some things that can help you. Well, that is incredible. And truly, if they go to your website, they can access different things that you've written in a variety, actually, of um, periodicals. And I know it's wanting me to sign up right now, but you really have (laughs) – written for winter dance, and um, he's done a great job of getting out there. And what is this Wasatch Journal? What is that? Oh, that was um, a very – it used to be this great publication uh, in uh, the state of Utah about outdoor adventures Mm -hmm. in Utah. And so Mm -hmm. it was about – I wrote an article for them about doing a, a long travel trip down in southern Utah and what that experience was like. Very cool. And then do you have a podcast right now? I don't. I've been working on doing more with getting back into speaking and presenting. I've been doing some presentation work at colleges and also working toward a book and working on really looking at relationship patterns and how we get stuck in relationship patterns. And so that's kind of been the next project. Well, I see that. I see that you you do some talking about healthy attachment and dating and unhealthy dating behaviors. So 
Mm-hmm. I really look forward to that. I, I know that I've booked you again for the show. Now, you're obviously very diverse. You're very skilled. You've worked with the best. And I'm going to ask you two very generic questions, and let's see if you mm-hmm. can answer them. One is, if you're somebody that believes, you know, you know that you've been traumatized and, and you feel very stuck, how can you tell which treatment is going to be best for you? Yeah, that's a great question, too. So as we know with SA or even in a partnership, it is a long recovery process. And so one of the things Mm -hmm. I talk to people about is where are you in your recovery? Do you feel like you're, you know, in a solid place where you have some emotional regulation skills, you've got some support, you feel like you're doing well, you're, you're on the up and up, right? That's really important because if we have an active addiction going on, oh my gosh, opening up some trauma work, no joke, that is not going to work out real well, even with a great therapist. (laughs) So what I I ask people is, yeah, are you in a place where you have some skills, where you feel like you have some coping tools and support? And then if you are working with a therapist or in a group, what is your therapist suggesting? your therapist recommending that you do some trauma treatment, that's also a really great way to check into it. And I, and I do tell people when you move into trauma work, it's uh, the old Shawshank Redemption analogy. You're in jail. You're trying to get to the beach in Mexico, and you're going to have to go through 17 football fields of sewer water to get there. And unfortunately, that's going to take a little while. It's going to be hard work. But if you're willing to do it, it can be life-changing. Mm, that makes so much sense. So I'm going to ask you, what should you look for when selecting a provider who may be able to offer some of these trauma treatments? Yeah. So one of the things I tell people that's the most important is go to the website of a provider See what they're saying. See if you connect with what they're saying. Then if you feel like you are, move on to a phone consult. And again, really checking in. Do you feel safe? Do you feel heard? Do you feel like this provider is somebody who gets you? That's really, really important. And it's okay to try some different modalities or try a different provider and actually find what's going to work for you. When it comes to a provider's credentials, I really do recommend that if you want to try EMDR, look for someone who's EMDR trained. And if you want to do somatic experiencing, look for a somatic experiencing practitioner. Anybody who works in trauma who has some addiction experience, that's going to be helpful but not needed. There's a lot of great trauma therapists out there who just specialize. And then, of course, you know, a CSAT, a certified sex addiction therapist, that's a winning combo if you can find somebody who's, you know, up on the latest in the world of the CSATs. Oh, exactly. You said that so well. So anything else you want to leave us with um, as we wrap this show up? Again, they can reach you by going to www.rebeccastokes.com. But what would, what would you say to our listening audience as you uh, kind of wrap up the show? Uh, go 
gosh, you know, I just, I think it's so wonderful that we're having these conversations now about trauma and about addiction. And we're really trying to put it out there that, hey, this is happening to a lot of people. Let's look at this shame situation we've got going on in our society and this stigma on mental health issues. And I'm just so glad we're starting to talk about it and open that up and make some changes in people's lives. Oh, Rebecca Stokes, well, thank you so much. I look forward to having you back on the show. And um, you've just got such a knowledge base of topics. I mean, you could you could talk once a month on something and not be repetitive <laughs> at all. So we will see you uh, at the end of the summer, and you make it a great week. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Carol. This was a pleasure. My pleasure also. Talk to you soon. And that was Rebecca Stokes, and she talked about trauma, and she she's just a whirlwind of knowledge. There's just no doubt about it, and that's what we try to offer you. Hopefully, um, you enjoyed her as much as I did, and I really look forward to talking with you again. Uh, we're going to be airing on some different days because I'm going to be taking a two-week break. Uh, so... Don't be surprised if you see me next week at a different time in a different place. That's why I so appreciate that you subscribe and increase those viewers, right? 1,989. Amazing. We'll talk to you next week. And as I say at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. You get to choose.